The Map Room, a business owner's guide to the art of harnessing choice. The podcast that explores the world of business through the decisions owners face and the choices they create. Join the conversation with Paul Barnes and Stuart Brown as they walk through some of the toughest decisions you have to make while leading a business and how understanding the choices can be used to guide strategy and optimize outcomes. Brought to you by Map and a host of special guests. Hello again and welcome back into the Map Room. I'm Stuart Brown and if you're one of our returning listeners then thank you very much. Your support is greatly appreciated and if you're new to the Map Room today then that's even more exciting for us and we certainly hope that our discussion today will leave you with some thoughts, some value and hopefully some takeaways that you can put into your business and maybe with today's guest more about your personal life. So I'd also therefore like to start with a huge Map Room welcome to our guest today Adam Downs. Adam is the founder of Pura Vida and has wrestled with the M62 to come and join us today in the map room. So, Adam, welcome to you and thank you for making the time to come and talk to us and our listeners. Thank you. Excited to be here. So maybe let's start with putting this into some kind of context. Uh, at MAP, we always say that we're on a mission to help our businesses and our business owners become more financially mature. Now, the phrase financial maturity sometimes confuses lots of people and people think it's to do with understanding more about their finance and that's true to a point but really what we like to say it's about using your finance to get the business to get what you want from it and that in my opinion as a business owner should impact your life and so I think that the concept of financial planning and hopefully that's what you're going to help us understand more today is key to that so explain to me first of all a little bit about Pura Vida what that means to you and why does financial planning actually matter? Pura Vida was an expression I picked up when actually travelling in Central America, Costa Rica specifically. So translated into English, Pura Vida means pure life. So it's a, it's a common expression there that's used in a variety of ways, actually. Um, but the interpretation I took from it was it talks about the pure life, which is the direct translation, but it's the simple or good life. And that's what I want to build a business around. So when we're talking about financial planning, it's all about that. It's all about helping our clients live their best lives. Um, and that's that's the most powerful thing I think we do. Okay, fantastic. So I'd like to, I mean, I'm sure today we will talk about what I think people would expect us to be talking about. So, you know, I, I do want to talk about the obvious thing we asked many times, which is exit planning. How do I financially plan for that event in my life? But I'd like to start with something that I think is probably maybe left of field, but I think a significant opportunity for business owners, particularly in this um, agency space that we represent, in that so many of our clients tell us that recruitment and retention is a really difficult problem at the minute. Um, and I, I know I've heard you say previously that you think there's an opportunity for financial planning to be used in your own business and potentially with your staff. So not the most obvious place to start, but maybe talk us through that and, and your thoughts around that. Yeah, I think a good place to start is our mission as, as a business. So our mission as a business is, is to improve the quality of life for our clients, our team and those they care about. So I think as a profession, the best firms in the UK are very focused on helping their clients live their ideal life now and in the future. One of the things I think we've got wrong as a profession is that we don't do the same thing for our team. So for the people that set up the businesses, the clients, 
um, we build our business around helping those people live their ideal life, but we miss out the team element. And I think that's so important. So when, when I was setting up a mission statement for the business and a purpose, it isn't this corporate, as I say, corporate BS. It's not. It's something I really believe in. And I think for us as a business, if we can do those things, it's going to be a really rewarding journey, not only for us as shareholders, founders, for our clients, but everybody we're working with as well. So the idea I'm exploring at the moment is how we can do financial planning and life planning for our team and link that back to their careers. So in their role in the business, if we can set it up in a way where perhaps we're doing personal development plans to say, well, let's link the work you're doing in the workplace to the things that really matter. And I think that's the same that applies to financial planning. It's the day-to-day work we're doing, either as a, as a career or as a business, is all linked back to the things that are most important to us. And I think that's perhaps missed in the workplace a little bit. When you say that in terms of for the team, I mean, you know, I'm uh, sort of understanding of what I would say is a more traditional um I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word financial support, and I know that's not what you mean by this, but so, you know, I've been involved with either where there is uh, the usual, you know, benefits. So sometimes the life cover, and I'm going to use maybe life insurance as the closest thing to potentially what people's assumption of financial planning because they assume financial planning is financial advice. And I know we're going to be able to, um, you know, explain that and, and show the differences. But Maybe can you give us an example of, you know, a, a tangible that you'd say, you know, the kind of idea that I think a business could consider is this? Well, it all starts with, as a concept, speaking to your team about the things that's most important to them. So it's it's going to be pretty obvious things. It's going to be talking about spending time with a family. It's going to be talking about um going on holidays and spending more time on holidays it doesn't need to necessarily be these big ambitious goals in terms of objectives and what they might like to do but if we were to translate that back into the workplace you could build you could build their time around those things so having the flexibility in the workplace as as a country now on the back of covid where we're going is is flexible working remote working can we take that further so if someone wants to spend time abroad and because that's really important to them it might only be next year. It might be a one-off event for them. I'm off on Friday, actually, Adam. So yeah, <laughs> I'm spending a long time abroad if where I can. Right. So, so that's the thing. And, and in those situations, that person might quit their job. So to go back to the reason I was in Costa Rica is because I had a great job, uh, actually not too far away from where we're recording today. It was, a, it was a graduate role. It was working for one of the best firms in the country. But I had this burning desire to go travelling. So it, it didn't happen intentionally, but I had this underlying desire to go. And what ended up happening is I ended up quitting that job very last minute whilst I was on a holiday and then ended up staying for the next six months. Wow. Completely unplanned. But if someone had asked me the things that were really important to me, at that age, I was, I was 22. I hadn't got the traveling out of my system. I'm not sure you ever do if we could have structured my work now or in the future around having the opportunity to do that, I'd probably still be in that job today. 
fascinating because obviously again uh, you know my experience from you know a different generation is often those things either are assumed that they're going to be done potentially before you start the old famous gap year that seems to have fallen by the wayside for lots of reasons and then it always seems to be towards the end of a career or mid-career the concept of a sabbatical and sometimes that is about retention of key staff and keeping sabbaticals Um, but I think I'm getting understanding now that when we talk about or when you talk about and we listen to your uh, concept of financial planning, it's about planning the life and finance is part of that, but not everything is the financial plan. It's about putting the things, as you say, that maybe matter to us. in Because a holiday, whilst, yes, a holiday may cost money, you're not necessarily talking about a financial plan for a holiday. How do you accommodate the things that matter to those members of staff in order to get the best out of your team, the best out of your business. So I think again, that's probably a different way of a different way of looking at it. So uh, the one thing that I often say about um, you know, and again, you know, we've used guests here uh, with this podcast of things that we think matter. They matter to us, and we think hopefully, therefore, they matter to our, our listeners because we're all business owners and and been through this journey over a period of time now. Um, I have a, a a bias towards the contents of financial planning for a number of reasons. But one of the things that when we set this podcast out, it was about the map room and it was about the fact that we were using the analogy of a map room to say you can visualise a strategy, you can then plan that journey out by a set of objectives that you can then measure back on a map. Now, that's how my OCD mind works when it comes to the content of financial planning. I like to see... A life plan. I've always, you know, my thing was, you know, I wanted my first house by the time I was 21, etc, etc. And that's not right for everybody. But I like to see very specific pathways and very specific goals. So so this concept, I think, really dovetails into what this podcast's all about. So I think we should be able to cover some, um, some really positive ground today. So on the point of, I would say, bringing it back to my mind about a map, Talk me through your views on when we talk about planning, where does planning sit in the life cycle? And explain to me your views on how would you phrase short-term planning, medium-term planning, and then maybe long-term planning? Yeah, I think I think a good thing to do is to go back to this concept of what financial planning is as a starting point. So we, we talked about goals, but that's only really part of the process. It's not really when we're talking about mapping, that's the starting point. So understanding the things that are most important to individual, that that section is um, what I describe as life planning. Then there's a second section, which is the financial planning, which is what I'd almost describe as that mapping out that financial journey. So we set out uh, a, a line in the sense say these are the things we want to do now and in the future. We build a financial plan around that to help deliver that. And that, that third stage is what people are probably thinking, what's this person speaking about financial planning? And then is it financial advice? And financial advice is that, that third element, which then helps deliver on the plan, which helps then deliver on the, on the life plan. So to, to talk about that life planning and what that looks like, it is very much an approach of now and in the future. So we're setting objectives, we're setting goals, we're setting out the life we want to live. It's really important for me and something I'm passionate about is not just planning for the future. So it's about planning now. It's about planning the short term. It's about planning the medium term. And it's also about planning the long term. So when people often come to a financial advisor, what they'll expect from them is to talk about pensions and retirement. And Old gits like me. 
Yeah, I'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> and say to you, what do you want to do with your retirement? What's that look like? Yeah. Do you want to go sit, sit on a beach somewhere? What's, and, and that's great and that's really important because that's the stage in life some people are at. In my opinion, that's too late to be doing that, isn't it? It's What I find fascinating about what you're talking about here, Adam, is you're talking about the journey, not the destination. Absolutely. So I think sometimes we talk about, specifically when we talk about a business strategy, we'll talk about the end point. What, what's the ultimate goal that you want? So we will speak with our clients about what is your strategic ambition, and that tends to be an end point. But we also talk very passionately, and you've probably heard Paul talk very passionately about you know, why he even founded a business and his dad's lack of fulfilment in his work, that he talks about the fact that you have to also enjoy the journey. So I think what we're getting across here, and hopefully our listeners will take from this, is that this is about really, I'd say, mapping the journey, and I would maybe put it's more akin to the concept of a road trip than our map that in our business map that says how do i reach objective a or objective b you're saying you know plan the journey make sure you enjoy the journey and you know take from the journey as you're on it and therefore don't start too late exactly we know with any form of planning that it's it's just the forecast of what we think is going to happen it's a really useful forecast either from a personal financial perspective or a business perspective but we know life's going to change and it's not going to happen exactly how we think it's going to happen. So it's so important, and it's something that I think I'm, at this stage where I'm with my business, a little bit of a hypocrite about, because it's it's hard work. I know I want to be enjoying the journey and the stage I'm at now, but it's a challenge to do that. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. So it's about saying how can we decide how we want to live now and in the future. So whether that be to do with how we structure our, our personal finances, our investments, our savings, our mortgages, those elements, or how we structure our businesses. And that's why I think there's a lot of crossover in terms of the planning is that um, the businesses and the businesses we run are so much more than an asset. But if we, we're a bit pragmatic about it and say, what what are we in business for, really? That. I think that goes a long way to then hopefully if you can link that to with what you're building now and in the future you can have a more rewarding journey and a more rewarding experience mm, interesting you've, you've said there about the sort of journey and i'd like to come back to something that um i know is a phrase you've used before which is this concept of of you call it or you describe it as building a pathway so we often talk to clients about uh, value. We get lots of people who will say, you know, I'm building a business and I want to sell it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've done that. I've, I've done it more than one occasion. I must, I must be slightly mad. But we often say to people that that's, you know, a lot of risk. There's a lot of eggs in one basket there. Um, the, the harsh reality is the majority of potential deals actually never happen. So you are putting a lot in. Now, that is arguably the lottery ticket, if we, if we put it in that context. And we often say to our clients, let's look at other options. How do you build value options? That might be through increased drawings. It might be changing dividend policy. It might be uh, maxing your pension out and all those kind of things. So it's about finding those options along the way. So talk to me about what you, how would you phrase your pathway? What does a pathway look like? And how would one of our business owner listeners recognise that they're even on a pathway? It all starts from good questions and getting to know the individual. So, and Do you think they know enough? I mean, the sort of the reason I asked that question was to say, 
you know, how would I, as a business owner, recognize a pathway? You know, one of the things that we always say is that, you know, some of the businesses that I'm engaged with, I say that part of the value I'm going to bring to them is to maybe help them not make the mistakes and the errors I made. You know, we can all talk about, oh, you know, you know this experience, this success, etc. But one of the reasons I'm passionate about this concept of financial planning is, you know, you can never start. My daughter, for example, has just started her first role out of university. And I think it's brilliant. There's a stakeholder pension in there. She's asked me questions about this. And now at the age of 21, she is saving for her future life. Now, I think that's fantastic. Uh, if you tried to tell me at 21 that I was saving for the next life, um, I, I just wouldn't have taken it on board. So I, I'm trying to say that, you know, there's a mixture of the, the, the business owner who started out very often in the industry we represent it's a craft so somebody is you know they are a creative they are a digital marketeer and the business is a vehicle to facilitate that craft not necessarily build an asset as you say or build a lifestyle so what i want to try and do for from today is is get our listeners and our business owner clients to maybe think about well am i on a pathway do i recognize my pathway how long in that um, in that journey am I and so I'm bringing that back to the question that sometimes when we speak to clients and ask specific questions it's obvious that they actually haven't really thought that through themselves and you can ask as many questions I suppose as you want but at some point you've got to get in advance that client to think about those things you sh- even at the outset you say think about what matters if you ask somebody today, you and I might say we would probably have, well, we have very different experiences, very different um, journeys of our own. What matters to us might be similar. It might be hugely different. But I, I find very often talking to um, business owners, getting them to actually explain that, understand it and articulate it is difficult. And I would imagine that would make the concept of planning harder than it needs to be. And so maybe by the end of today, we can give some sort of thoughts and some takeaways to people to go, these are the things that you need to consider before you engage potentially a financial planner, or is that the wrong way to do it? I would say your starting point is to go speak to a financial planner because they're the conversations you're going to have and that's what they're going to help you with. So a large part of what I do as a process is to help people work out what's really important to them because we don't necessarily know, we don't necessarily take the time out to think about it. Talking about myself personally, I, I don't have a financial planner at the moment, but I'm really interested in getting one. Once I found one that is gonna challenge me on what I'm working towards and why I'm doing things. And that's a big element of that, is, is to challenge why we're doing things and what we want to do. So then that process is very much about identifying that. So. To, to answer your question, I would, I would go to the financial planner first to discuss those things. So let's maybe for uh, my benefit and maybe for ever, anybody listening, just be really clear about what a financial planner is as maybe against an advisor. I think there's misunderstandings there, but I think what you're talking about and what you said earlier is the planner maybe helps you set that journey. And if we come back to the concept of the decision-making the strategy, maybe then the advisor puts the, the strategies in place such as your pension or whatever so just so we're clear the differentiation between where does financial planning start and stop and where does advice start and stop it, it's an interesting one really because financial planning is really just an evolution of what a financial advisor does so it's they do everything a financial advisor does um, but it's a lot more focus on the individual 
and they build the financial plan around the individual and then the advice comes at the end. So if I would say the key difference is a, a traditional financial advisor is product focused. So they're always thinking about what pension should I recommend? Yep. Historically, which which product should I sell? Um, and a modern financial advisor is just simply a financial planner. Mm-hmm. And it's just that differentiator that we use because we financially plan first. Um, some people might even use the title as a life planner because of for those reasons. Mm-hmm. So it all starts with creating a life plan um, and then creating a financial plan and then providing financial advice. Okay, so again, so we're clear... Uh, and this helps me understand it, and I hope everybody else is that. So, again, this is um, advice, and as you say, maybe life advice, it's, and it's no different to potentially, you know, advisory if we talk about our own world, where actually you are essentially selling and the client is paying for the knowledge, the insight, the consideration, the planning, not necessarily the product. So I could engage a financial planner for a period of time and, and not buy a product. Exactly. So... With life planning and financial planning, it's not about giving advice. It's a collaboration. It's having good conversations to decide what's most important to that individual. So when we're going back to the concept of pure vida, pure life, describing someone's best life, it's it's that individual's best life and how they want to live. It's not for me to sit here and judge and say, X, Y, Z, you shouldn't be spending that on a car because it's a lot of money or it's... It's for me to help as a financial planning process deliver the things that are truly most important to that individual. I think that's a significant, I'll say, mindset change in that industry from, you know, the time when I've been buying, um, you know, pensions. I mean, it, it tended to be traditionally pensions and or life cover. That was the sort of thing that you were, you know, sold or, or at least recommended. And it was always based on an absolute number. So it was, you know, you should save X percent of your income into a pension or you should cover X times your salary. And I think what you're saying now is it's a very different thing to say that might matter to some people, but to other people that. Um, lifestyle that what matters and what they want to be grateful for later in life can be so different and it's not always brought back to an absolute number and absolute sum I, I completely agree a lot of the people that I've started working with this year we're doing very little around financial products um, the conversations I'm having are, are about how people would like to go on holidays how they'd like to spend money on their house where they want to live so people are moving countries and that's that's the process of financial planning. It evolves over time. So that that concept of what is right in any given year, it evolves all the time. And and that's the same with people in business. It's like financial planning is very much, uh, it was very similar to how you financially plan in a, in a business. You're looking at what the, the most important thing is in, in any given time. So if you're looking over a period of year and you're looking at your cash flow and you're looking at your profitability, you're saying what's important right now, but also for the longer term. Yeah. So it it's that balance, and I use the word balance a lot with financial planning because we're we're thinking about the longer term, but we're also thinking about the short term. So what's right now and in the future? It's not all about that longer term planning. I'd say one of the concepts that we um, talk about have talked about in previous episodes, and we'll talk about more is 
when we're talking about decision making, there is a battle of emotion versus logic. And, you know, we will come on to some of that again. But what you've just said there is fascinating, which is, I suppose there's a short term payoff. So if you, if you say to, uh, we'll go back to my daughter, explaining to a 21 year old why this money is being taken from her salary, um, in her head, by the way, without her decision, uh, that's not true, but in her head, and why that means she may not spend as much time in Marbella this year as she wanted to. Um, it is that payoff of, I suppose, not putting off the inevitable saving. And maybe that's the um, the clash of emotion versus logic. Logic says, I mean, in my age, it's very logical to say, but you should do this. The emotion of, and, and having put a um, you know an auto-enrolment stakeholder pension in a business with over 300 employees, you know, I've, I've had this debate, argument, and absolute outrage at times from people to say, you can't do this, it's my money. So it's that concept of the emotion of maybe saving and what's it cost me today as to what do I get in the future. How do you address that? The word again is balance. It's the balance of those two things. So you have a, a short-term objective to, to spend your money now and enjoy it, which I'm all for, but it's also then balancing that and say, what's the right amount to put away? And that, and that's what it's about. It's about options. Um, so when we decide how we allocate money as a resource, that's all it is. We're just saying, what's the most important thing? So we can have conversations to say, well, why don't I spend more money on holidays now? What's the trade-off? I save less, which means I'm going to work for X years longer. Do you want to do that? And that's exactly it. So we're, we're building financial security, financial, towards financial independence to give ourselves options. When we're, when we're creating a financial plan, it's not creating a financial plan to say, this is exactly what's going to happen. Let's put in these milestones in four years' time, I want to do this. In six years' time, I want to do this. When I retire, I want to live off this. Life is going to change. So what we want to do is say, well, how do we want to live now, ideally? We know that Practically, it might not be perfect. We're still working. We might have young kids. We might be working hard on the business. But introducing some of those ideas of what's really important to us. And then when we're looking at the longer term, it's about building up assets so we have options. So we can look at this as an asset in terms of a pension or, or a business. That we're, we're building the value of our pension or we're building the value of our business to at a later point give us options to do with that money. So the two different examples, because different levels of risk, in my opinion. So when we're talking about financial independence, we can't rely particularly, I think, on a business asset until that, that value is materialized. So it's, it can be risky to overweight that value in a financial plan. But that's, that's exactly what we're doing when we're building that asset, is to give us and our family options in the future, whatever that might be. It might be some of the things that we planned 10 years ago. It might be something completely different. You've been listening to The Map Room with me, Stuart Brown, and our guest today, Adam Downs, the founder of Pura Vida. We'll be back with part two of this conversation in our next episode, where we'll discuss exit planning, financial confidence, and the difference between how much you want and how much you need. I certainly hope you can join us. The Map Room has been brought to you by Map, the outsourced finance function for digital agencies. Subscribe via your usual podcast app to never miss an episode.